Welcome everyone to episode 5 of Panthers Talk Philly. I'm Colin Fuges along with my co-host Ron Baker and producer Roman Medina. Today we'll be talking about the Sixers decline and the Birds performance this season. But before I get started, uh, I have the great pleasure of introducing our special guest. He's a star on the stage and performing this weekend in Rhapsodies. Welcome Giacomo to the studio. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Thank you Giacomo for coming on. Um, so we're going to be talking a lot about the Eagles, but why don't we start with the Sixers? I, I like to start with the team that we're going to kind of touch a little bit on and then kind of get a lot deeper with the other team. So, um, Sixers, Giacomo, I know, I know you're a fan of basketball. Have you been watching at all? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of the games. I'm a little upset with how they've been playing recently, but yeah. hopefully we can figure it out. I was just about. Games. I was. I was just about to ask, like, you know, what are your thoughts so far on the season? To be honest, I just don't think our setup right now, like the whole team vibe, I don't think they're meshing well together. I don't think any of their play styles really correlate with each other. And I think definitely Ben and Embiid really gotta step it up and really gotta figure out who's gonna take charge. And kind of just to elaborate on what Giacomo was saying, it's like you know that these guys are the core two guys, key players on your team, and it's like if one of them's not performing to the best of their capabilities or the best of their abilities, you, the team's instantly becoming worse. And then you have to rely on the other guys, like your Tobias Harris or, you know, mm-hmm. Josh Tobias Richardson. Yeah. You have to rely uh, on them to step up. And you don't know if they're going to be able to do that because there's a reason why they're not considered, you know, mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. talents of their position. Yeah. So. I think for me, like, especially since they started so well like they they were the last team five and oh yeah Yeah. i mean they were the last team to lose uh in the nba and like especially in that first game when we beat the celtics like that was a completely different team both offensively and defensively like you look at what ben simmons did he was so aggressive joel was shooting less threes he was he wasn't the main focal point as far as offense went and i prefer that because the more joel has the less chance everybody else gets that's at least for me personally, uh, kind of how I see it. But I think throughout the season, and now we're what are we seven and five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight and five, moment. I think. Eight and five. We have reverted back to what we were last year, and I think that all falls on Brett Brown's shoulders. Because as a coach, you know, he's supposed to bring everybody together and keep the the thing that they've been working on for so long. Especially when he's even said himself, this was the most talented roster he's ever had. You mm-hmm. know, he comes in this year after having Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, all on the same floor. This yeah. team's a little bit more complete. They actually have somewhat of a bench now. So it didn't just rely on the starters to carry the load for the team like they did in the playoffs last year. And the team just seems to be underperforming, even from Brett Brown's standards. So. Yeah, like, okay, so, Jock, question for you. If you're Coach Brown, what do you do with Ben? Like, To be honest, I would give him to the trade deadline to really start picking it up, and if he's not picking it up, I really think we might as well just ship him out of here. Yeah. Because he really, like, this whole offseason he was working on his jump shot, and we still Mm -hmm. have yet to see him take a shot outside of 14 feet. So I really, really want to see him take more of them, just to see him try for them at least. Yeah. So I give him to them. I I, kind of agree with you. Like, I was looking at somebody posted his shot, thing and like wherever he took the shot and I think he took maybe five or six shots out of the outside of the paint and that that was it and as a point guard like 
I mean, come on, like, come on. Especially when the point guards nowadays, like, you have exactly. Steph Curry that dominated the mm-hmm. league for the past couple of years. Like, you really can't just be that pass-first type of player now. Yeah, You really got to have a jump shot. You got to be that complete star. Mm-hmm. And with Joel Embiid, too, I think, like, okay, if we had, like, kind of a, uh, a smaller center, like, if we had Al Horford as our starting center, I wouldn't mind Ben Simmons' play style as much because Horford – isn't that big guy that's gonna you know drive down the lane and he's he's kind of more of a perimeter guy like we saw when he was on the Celtics and what he did but like the fact that Joel Embiid's down there he's a top center you might be able to argue that he's the best center in the league right now that there's just too much space being there's not enough room for the both of them yeah and I think that falls on the hands of Brett Brown because in this time and age in the NBA spacing equals offense and offense equals spacing and you have no one in that starting rotation outside of Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris that can effectively shoot the three-point, you know. Um, Al Horford, he shoots threes because they run the same exact plays that they ran for J.J. Redick last year. But what happens is whoever's running that two spot, which in this case is Josh Richardson, they put Josh Richardson in the pick and roll right after the screen is set, and he just passes out. So instead of J.J. Redick shooting a you know, fadeaway three, yeah, it's literally just Josh Richardson driving into the free throw line, pretty much passing it right back out to Al Horford. So, yeah, yeah. offense isn't changing; it's just the personnel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just not going to work that way. I think I'm. I've always been like, you know, I'm. Both of you guys know how big of a Ben Simmons fan I am. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, like <laughs> a biggest fan of him ever. But like, I just, it's so frustrating it's to see him. Yeah. And he did the he did the opposite of this in the first game when he drove to the basket ninety percent of the time he was either dunking or laying it up, but now he's going back to what he did last year and he just he jumps in the air doesn't know where he's throwing it which makes turnovers or a bad like and it's he sort just, of hesitates when he's making all these decisions and it's causing all these turnovers exactly which is just not working out and that seems to be like just a steady thing throughout the entire. Like, even the last couple of years, you could look back. It's the philosophy of it, the Sixers. You pass turnovers. the ball to create opportunities. It, it's, it's honestly, their turnovers have been unbelievably large. It's just, it, it's a serious problem. It's hard for the Sixers not to finish in the top five for turnovers mm-hmm. every game. And when you go against, like, I know we haven't gone against the Lakers yet, but when you go against good teams, when we go against the Celtics again, when we go against the Lakers and we go against these top-tier teams, you don't have room for that many turnovers. Like when you go against, I don't know, I think we went against the Hornets. We still almost lost to them. And turnovers was such an important part of that. It's just like you're just letting bad teams into the game because of those turnovers, and you're going to get blown away by the like really high teams because they'll make garbage into gold, mm-hmm. and they're, they're just going to take advantage of that. So it's very frustrating. But another frustrating person to watch especially a couple games ago setting the record for most missed threes in a game for a sixer Tobias Harris what's going on what's what's going on with most him? overpaid player in the league right now he just can't do anything with the ball hot like, take good <laughs> I'm telling you like we paid for him to be that shoot like to be shooting threes we've really needed him to be sort of like Jimmy Butler we need a guy that he needs to be an effective scorer exactly, and when exactly. you're going over 12 in a game and almost <laughs> setting the Sixers franchise record for most missed three-pointers mm-hmm. in a row yeah. he had 23 the yeah. record's 25 yeah he was this close unacceptable it's unacceptable especially because we we need shooters like we need shooters and he, yeah. we really have been relying on him to do that and with him failing to do that this season is really disappointing mm-hmm 
I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think, you know, last season I talked to a lot of people about this, how Jimmy Butler kind of trumped out Tobias, and, like, Tobias was, like, that nervous, quiet little he sat kid in the, in the corner. corner. Yeah. yeah, and he did next to nothing. Like, he has the oper- he has the talent to do it, but he just had to show people he didn't get the opportunity. Now he has the opportunity, and yeah. he's falling flat on his face, and he's proving everybody that believed Jimmy Butler is better than Tobias Harris, even if he's older, completely right. It's also uh, interesting to mention that Tobias Harris is the second-highest-paid player in Philadelphia sports history. Behind only uh, Bryce Harper. Oh my so gosh! That's all these other guys that have played for Philadelphia haven't made the same amount of money as Tobias Harris to do what he's doing right now. Exactly. See that? That's just like that kind of scares it, me. It's depressing. It sucks. Yeah. And it's really bad. But you know, he had a great game last night against the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Shot twelve for fourteen for twenty-seven points. You want games like that from him all the time, and you can't complain. So that was definitely a big game. Like. You know, like putting your foot down, like saying, you know, we're still the team. We can still we still have it in us to be that dominating team that everybody saw the first five games. Um, that was definitely a win. I know when we did the podcast last time, we were actually going against the Cavs like the next day or whatever. And I said that they were going to absolutely crush them. And it's going to be a demanding like, you know, this is what they needed. It didn't work out the first time. I mean, it came around yeah, the second right. time. They were but, winning by 30 points the majority of the yeah. game. So. So, I mean, yeah. Hopefully it's, this is where they s- turn things around and hopefully it gets mm-hmm. back in the winning ways. Yeah, so, the the season. I mean, we were kind of talking about that. I wouldn't call it a losing streak, but they kind of fell flat on their face. How much of that would you actually put on Brett Brown? I would blame a lot of it on Brett Brown because, you know, you're the coach. Like, you got to lead by example and you got to make sure everyone plays well together. Like, you know, we got a lot of stars. We got Joel, we got – uh, Simmons, we got Tobias, we got Richardson. Like, they're all great players on their own. But now it's really just fixing their own play styles to work with our system. And I really blame a lot of that on Brett Brown because he hasn't worked well with them at all. Okay, and to kind of elaborate on what you're talking about, Giacomo, it's like the whole philosophy of Brett Brown is to be passing the ball and make these opportunities, and that's kind of what the system has been. But he has more vocabulary terms for how he likes to talk about basketball than he does plays. He has no creativity with offense. And that's why we use the same exact plays we did last year, only just a little bit different. And it doesn't help that, you know, if Brett Brown ever says, oh, yeah, well, this team, like the Mm -hmm. scheme that we were supposed to be running wasn't the same, then it's an issue with the front office, too. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if Brett Brown's having issues with the front office, then clearly there's some kind of personal conflict that this team wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. And stuff's going to come out. Just like Jimmy Butler said, you know, there was stuff going on in Philadelphia that they weren't going to be talking about. I think he's making that up. I th- well, maybe maybe there's a little bit Ooh. going on. But I think, you know, we you all know Jimmy it? Butler as, like, you know, the think big guy. I think I think he's uh, he's kind of putting a little I more I wouldn't be surprised because he was complaining about Brett Brown earlier in the year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, oh, I remember that. That was yeah, – I was like, oh, gosh, that is – And that's not what, that's the, Yeah. Especially with a guy like Jimmy Butler after coming from uh, the Timberwolves and Mm -hmm. showing what he did with with the other guys. The third stringers. Yeah. But um, I I just I think, you know, Brett Brown, he has all the responsibility for this because there's Mm -hmm. a ton of great coaches around this league that know how to utilize their players Mm -hmm. and make them show out. You look at them big contracts. You look at a team like the Celtics. Uh, Yes, I think they do have a good lineup. But it's Absolutely. nothing compared to ours. And I right. think a lot of their success comes from their coaching. I, th- I think the Celtics coach is very good. Very good at putting everything together. 
So, before we get on to the Eagles, um, before I go off on Carson Wentz, um, we have a little request for Giacomo. Okay, um, let's see what this is. Yeah, so we're going to ask you to sing, sing the uh, Eagles fight song. Oh for uh, listeners that don't know, Giacomo has an amazing voice. So we thought it would be a nice little touch, kind of get us in the mood for the Eagles. So uh, Giacomo, without further ado, if you wouldn't mind. All right, let's do this. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fly, Eagles, fight, score a touchdown, one, two, three. Hit them low, hit them high, and watch our Eagles fly. Fly, Eagles, fly, on the road to victory. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Oh, wow, that was awesome. That was so worth it. A few little riffs. A little different than the normal one, but... Yes, I'm tearing up. Round of applause for Giacomo. That was that was, yeah, was a little. Nice. Uh, that, was, that was very nice. Not warmed up. I know you were getting a little anxious about that, but that was uh, very. That was I'm a nice little a touch. It made me smile about the Eagles. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is uh, the Monday after the Patriots loss. So it's pretty tough. sensitive yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, very sensitive, sensitive topic. Uh, a lot of ta- a lot to talk about. Um, but first off, why don't we first talk about what does this loss mean? for the Eagles season like it's devastating it really is like coming coming into the season you know you've got big hoops like Mm -hmm. you know you want them to make the playoffs and now you're looking at a five and five team you know you don't know where it's going to go and it seems to me like they can't beat these top opponents like you know and they're barely beating these lower ranked teams like the Redskins our first game we barely get that you know all these like I wouldn't call them bad teams but like not the same level as the Patriots and we Mm -hmm. really need to get some big wins and like I really need to see them I really want to see them win out the rest of the season yeah I mean if they won out the rest of the season we would go 11 and 5 so that is that would I wouldn't say it's like a mid-tier playoff team but like okay so then then you can see them going somewhere in the playoffs if they come in winning what's that six straight games you know they're the team to beat at that point but Hey, we saw that last year with the Texans. They lost their first four, maybe five games, and then they won out. Like, and they, they were, of course, it's all about momentum. I think, you know, like, I mean, I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go off and go yeah. on a roll. I don't see Doug Peterson leading that team or Carson leading that team. I'll save that for a little later. But yeah, Ron, go ahead. It, it's just, it's really hard to, you know keep moving forward when it seems like every game you play you're taking steps back and the the Eagles are the only team in the NFL that get more injured on a bye week (laughs) (laughs) that's true that is very true and it's It's like a week to recover and yeah I know it's the week everyone gets injured right it it makes no sense to me and it's 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 not good for this football team because you know you're trying to fight for a playoff spot and the Cowboys literally just they have it out on a stick for you they're just waiting for you to take it that's true and then you're just you're not reaching out for it Kind of going off of what you said about uh, injuries, um, kind of the opposite here. Finally, our secondary comes back. Play a couple games, they're still getting absolutely smoked. But for some reason, they play really well against the Patriots. And, okay, if you take away the four missed interceptions, there was a stat where five interceptions they could have had uh, against Tom Brady. But why did, for some reason, why did 
the secondary work so well against the Patriots? I think the secondary worked really well because they don't have to worry about height advantages. A lot of the Patriots wide receivers are six foot or under, and a lot of our cornerbacks are six foot and under. So it's a lot easier to cover someone that's right around your height than having to deal with someone like Julio Jones, who's six foot four, that's having true. to deal with DeAndre Hopkins or, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Thomas. And even some of like the lower tier guys, you know, like they're mm-hmm. pretty tall. And that's why you, when you see guys like Alshon Jeffrey not being able to perform, it makes you really yep. question what's going on. So, yeah. um, I kind of go off what you said, but I think plus two. And I know like some people might find this like, oh, what are you talking about? He's still the goat. Tom Brady's starting to fall off a little bit, and yeah, we've definitely. it's been very concealed by that defense. That defense is really good. Well, I think he had like fourteen, yeah, good. Like, fourteen incompletions. Yeah. That was a career high for him in a half. In a half, right? And um, I don't know. I just father time's catching up. Yeah, I don't want to say like you know he's going to be terrible because of course he's still an amazing quarterback. Well, as long as he as long as he's even a mid tier quarterback, as long as that defense that stays together, defense, yeah. of course, as long as they're still together, they're good. of course it's they're the one good. year that, that offense starts to fall off. The defense, defense of picks all it, things, picks it into gear. yeah, exactly. Because they give Belichick a bit uh, bigger role on the defense now since he's the defensive yeah. coordinator. Absolutely. So we we're talking about the loss, Giacomo. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the blame game, but we each go around, blame the loss on one person or a small group of people. So, uh, who wants to who wants to so start? I'll start it off. Um, right. I'm gonna blame it on the wide receivers. That whole group as a whole, like you know, this leading up to this whole season, you know, big injuries like Deshaun Jackson going down, Alshon getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's making it easier for these defensives. Like they're just double covering Zach Ertz, so he's like That's becoming true. not even an option. And then it's forcing all these other um, receivers who keep just dropping passes. Like Aguilar seems like he's the only good route runner at this point in the time, mm-hmm. but he's dropping passes left Everything. and right. And Alshon Jeffrey, even even when he's healthy, he's still yeah. dropping passes. And it is easy to blame it on Carson Wentz because he is the quarterback. He should be leading it. But when you're putting the ball, like when you're throwing the ball in their hands, sometimes it comes down mm-hmm. to the wide receivers just making plays. Yeah. You know, I, I genuinely – I'm still going to blame, you know, everything on wide receivers. And I don't want to, like, take what you're saying, but, like, it's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. You can – like, the defense isn't great, but injuries are going to happen in football. Mm. What is happening with the Eagles is they're dropping passes, and this hasn't been a problem. You know, this has been a problem for years now where, you know, you bring in guys like Jordan Matthews. There's a reason why he's been on this team three times. <laughs> he's been signed, then he gets cut. He goes to another team, gets cut, shows back up here to get cut again. He's not talented. He's not a talented wide receiver. You're only bringing him in here because he knows the playbook. And the playbook doesn't matter because Frank Reich isn't the one calling the plays. Boom. That is so true. That is so true. Uh, I'm not going to go with your route with the wide receivers. I... I have two, and I'm kind of torn between the two. So I think the number one, just for that game specifically, comes down to Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz is up there with Ben Simmons, with one of my favorite players. But Carson Wentz blew at least three, maybe even four drives at the end. And I was kind of talking about this earlier. Great quarterbacks are defined by their clutch like how how good they can be in those times like where you really need them to step up and like I don't even know if you could really say that like we needed him to step up that much there were some wide open receivers that could have been easily hit but he overthrew them and I think his deep ball is just it's becoming a real problem and we if you look back to the 2017 season 
about, you know, like what made that offense so amazing. It was those deep plays, those humongous just chunk yardages, like everything like just worked so well. But that whole deep ball just brought a whole different aspect to the offense. And we're just missing that. We've been missing that since mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And I think it's really starting to to come back to bite us in the butt. But like Carson's got to get that deep ball down and he needs to start making better, more mature decisions as a quarterback. You know, we'd have more, you know, deep passes if they'd catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we had Matt Collins down the right side of the field for, you know, at least 20 yards. Yep. You had Aguilar at the end of the game, dropped it, you know, granted he has to, it's behind him and he has to catch it, but like he was not positioned right at all. No. He, he was, you know, right here. He had to move his hands over, he, try to catch it over his head. He's wearing a helmet. Like, he's, he can't he's see He's a very well. easy target to come after yeah. after the last couple right. of games. I mean, I think he's targeted very easily. Yeah. but um, Especially because you know how good he could be yeah. if he just catches these Even outside these of just him, passes. it's like like I was elaborating before with this whole offense and Doug Peterson and stuff, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he has to learn all of the routes mm-hmm. and all the possibilities for audibles and all of those for every single spot as a wide receiver so he's got over a hundred things he needs to know yeah. he could be a wide receiver coach at this point because he knows how all the routes are ran. <laughs> and he was saying to the press that you know the bye week definitely helped him with that yeah and then he did what during the game one reception that's it the only person that was catching the ball was zach Ertz. he's mm. been reliable dallas goddard was the second best mm. and you know the eagles are the only team not the only team but they're the best team at running two tight ends yeah that's true they run two tight ends and literally no wide receivers because no one knows how to catch so we were talking about we've been talking about the receiving core and a lot of people are pointing to Howie Roseman and that's kind of kind of his fault. So did did Howie drop the ball before the trade deadline and if so how has that affected the team? He absolutely dropped the ball. That he's never drafted well. There's no need to stockpile up on draft picks for players that you know aren't going to perform the way that they're supposed to be. You know, you bring in guys, Sidney Jones, you could have traded up and taken Dalvin Cook. You needed a running back. Mm-hmm. But no, you're going to take a cornerback who had an Achilles tear, not play the first you know season until it doesn't matter anymore, just for him to be injured and be a bench player again. To think that we could have Dalvin Cook just yeah, makes me... And it's not even just him. You bring in Rasul Douglas, who led the NCAA in interceptions when he came into the draft. He plays more like a free safety than he does a cornerback. He played like maybe three good weeks, and now he's just been a revolving door on defense. That's true. Like most of our hits, as far as players go, have been in the sixth, seventh, undrafted. So there's no need to worry about, you know, draft stock or capital at all because he doesn't make a difference. Did Howie drop the ball? Yes, he did. And I think a lot of people are a little hesitant to kind of point the finger because of what he did in the past couple of years, all the talent that he's brought in. And I think like people are like, okay, you know what? Everybody's going to make the mistake. That's a big one. And, like, I was waiting for the trade deadline and whatever, and, like, you know, you always know that Howie has something up his sleeve. But when I saw he did nothing, I was like, okay, come on, seriously. You're just poking like, him with a stick to yeah, like, do something. Like, come on, yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. Do something. Like, I just don't understand because Howie's usually so on top of that. Especially stuff. free agents because yeah. that's how we won the Super Bowl. You know, bringing exactly. guys like LeGarrette Blount, Alshon Jeffrey. That was a big. That yeah. was a big. Right. Absolutely. It, it's just it's very frustrating. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that he um, – I definitely think he dropped the ball as, uh, as far as that goes. Um, so, 
I have kind of a hot take, and um, I'll give it to Ron and, and Jock. Um, so should Howie clean house in wide receiver in the wide receiver room? Yes or no, Jock? I'm gonna give you no. So you have to defend that side. Okay, so you want. So you have to defend why he shouldn't clean the house and he should keep the receivers that he has. Okay. Um, he shouldn't do that because you know, like through the past couple seasons, like they have been dropping a lot of passes, but you know they still somehow like come out in the towards the end of the season they were making these big plays. You know, Aguilar, you know. He will drop a couple passes here and there, but at the end of the day, like he can make those big plays. Like Alshon Jeffrey, you know, he's like mm-hmm. his whole career, he's been that stud of a star. Like he's been such a big superstar. So I think just give it a little bit more time next yeah. couple weeks and really just wait it out and see how these okay. next couple weeks play out. Ron, you gotta go. If Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey weren't signed to contracts, I would so blow this whole thing up. So there is no one in this wide receiver room that deserves to be considered on an NFL roster. Deshaun Jackson's great. He's great, you know, but he's also on the, you know, 32, whatever yeah, it may be. You sign, him to a, you sign him to a three-year contract, so you're telling me you expect him to, to yeah. perform at a high level until he's 35? Yeah, no, he's... Howie Roseman messed up contracts. And then he re-signs Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been good unless Nick Foles has been the quarterback. <laughs> He's like, that's it's just so how weird, it's been. Though. It's weird because like, Nick Foles was always like leading him. He'd have to make these like one-arm yeah. catch. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. but, and like it seems like Carson Wentz is putting it right in his face mask and he's dropping yeah. his passes. But exactly. To, but to go back on the whole wide receiver thing, like they got to blow it up just because, you know, granted these are younger guys, but Nelson Aguilar, he's had five years to produce something and he's literally done nothing. And then you have guys like Ortega Whiteside, but like he, if he was playing well, he should have been playing by now because he's had absolutely every opportunity. So if he can't step true. up to this now, he's not going to be able to step up to it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think if I had to pick a side, I think I'd go with Jock's side with not cleaning house just yet, only because they just resigned or they just signed Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about Alshon though. Like, what is going on with him? I just, You're not gonna fix it either. That's what I, sucks. I just yeah. he seems more like, like now is he like, I I watch him more. He looks more like a basketball player out on the football field. It's because Carson once doesn't know how to do a simple check down pass. If the pass isn't seven to ten yards away, he's mm-hmm. not throwing it. He'll just stand That's there true. and wait. And if he just did that, there would be so many opportunities where it's third and six, third and five, third and four instead of third and ten. I think plus two that comes down to the play calling of Doug, and he just I don't understand like he always does these like last night it was like third and eight and he had a check down ball like two yard slant that was the the highlighted uh route that he needed to throw to and Carson Wentz got it there but why why are you calling that like that you need to get eight yards why are you doing it to your pass it it just doesn't for some for some magic it just doesn't make sense and it makes me more and more concerned that Frank Reich was the real I don't want to say the Super Bowl and all the play calls were all on his shoulders, but, like, gets me a little worried. Yeah, especially even, like, late in last night's game. Like, you bring out Zach Ertz for one play, but you keep Dallas Goddard in. So, mm-hmm. Bill Belichick, the great, you know, defensive coach he is, he knows <laughs> that it's going to a wide receiver. Yeah. So, he, you know it's either going to be some kind of long pass because Zach Ertz isn't the fastest guy. So, if he runs a simple cover, too, where he has both those safeties back there, they're going to be able to neutralize literally anything that the Eagles try to throw to them. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I, I agree with you on that. So um, last thing here, 
we were talking a little bit about the season and, and how they might be able to turn around. But if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, how are you feeling about that? Are you are you like heartbroken, hurt a little bit, or you think it's good for the team? Um, you know, something's going to have to change, and that's obvious. And that's not only for football. That's for every sport. You know, Gabe Kapler gets such a better roster, and he does absolutely nothing with it. He loses more games with the Phillies with the addition of Bryce Harper and everyone else. If you Even for the Eagles, like, you bring in this team, like, in the – in the uh, preseason was considered one of the most talented on in football. Paper, it's one of the best yeah. teams. It was right up there with the Browns and, you know, at the moment. At the moment. At least where that got the most them. overhyped yeah. team. They were. <laughs> but, I mean, like, that just shows you it's really pretty much – it's all down to head coaching. It's discipline. If you the guys aren't going to be all for one and one for all, then stuff's yeah. going to happen. And that's what Orlando Skandrick did, and that's when everyone was like, all right, we got to yep. get this back together. And – you know, you win a game, you lose a game, so on and so forth. It's just like you can be five and five, you can be eight and eight. It doesn't make a difference. You're not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Something, something's got to change. This offense hasn't been good since Frank Reich left, and this defense hasn't been great either. So, something's got to change as far as personnel goes, and I think it should happen at the end of the year. So, you think? Are, are you gonna? So, how are you feeling about the Eagles not making playoffs then? If that happens, I'm not confident at all. You know, well, like uh, if, Dak Prescott, if it does Cowboys. Well, like if it doesn't happen, like if, if the Eagles don't make it, like how are you feeling about that? Are you heartbroken, you know, kind of feeling all right about it? Or you think it's like really good for the, the beginning of the year? I thought they were going to be really good. Like I'm talking, you know, at least 12 wins. And now they're sitting at five and five. And it's been like every week you, you want to be up, but then they let you back down. Mm. And eventually you just go too far down and realize, oh, yeah, you're not in the playoffs anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of just it's bittersweet. You expected it because of how they've played, but you don't want to see them that way. Yeah. So, Jack, how are you feeling about it? If that I'm going to be I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be a little heartbroken cuz you know, yeah. you see what this team could do. Like, you know, you look at it before the season everyone's so hyped up like, you know, you think they can make like a run in the playoffs, another mm-hmm. Super Bowl, like, you know what Carson Wentz is capable of and you know, it's not really looking yeah. the same this year and I think it would just be like really upsetting cuz you know, the talent-wise, like what they can do and if they go another season where they just fell short, like, it's easy, like you said, like, they're going to blow up a lot of things. Like, you don't know where people could land. Like, you don't know yeah. what they're going to do with the squad. So That's true. I, it, I, I kind of agree with you on that. There's a lot of potential there. And, like, when you see that they have such a high ceiling and they fall so short of that, it, it's very heartbreaking. But I think, for me, I'd have to go with – it's just – it's. I think it's going to be a good thing. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, what, are you serious? Like, And I trust me, I love the Eagles with – every bit of my body but I think sometimes being put in your place is the right thing and I don't from right now looking at this team at the moment they are not a playoff team and they don't deserve to be in the playoffs after the way that they played after Doug Peterson has been coaching them they have no reason to be in the playoffs right now and I think if they do somehow sneak their way into the playoffs like they did last year it's going to put a blanket over all those problems and be like, you know what? No, we still made it. We're fine. Uh, you know what? We'll be even better next year. So I think not making the playoffs is going to bring a lot of change. Um, and honestly, I think it'll be really good for the team. So uh, I think that's just going to about wrap things up here for episode five we thank Giacomo for coming onto the show thank you for having me yeah make sure to come out to Rhapsodies on Friday the 22nd Saturday the 23rd and Sunday the 24th with Giacomo and the rest of the PJP crew 
As always, I'm Colin Fugis, your host with my co-host, Ron Baker, and producer, Roman Medina, special guest, Giacomo Badalamenti. Thank you all for listening to episode five of Panthers Talk Philly.